0: Hey, 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 welcome back to RM Podcast FL. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. I hope everybody's having a great and amazing day so far. And if your day just got started, well, I hope you have an amazing day. If your day's about to finish, Well, guess what? Have an amazing night. (laughs) Well, um, I'm very excited about today's episode, you guys. But before I do jump right to the episode, I just want to take a moment and thank everybody that has reached out so far through LinkedIn or through Instagram and giving me preps up and encouraging me to continue with the podcast. I know it's a lot of time. I know it's time consuming on my end, but I'm actually loving this. I get to meet professionals of different careers. And have quality conversations with them and learn i mean this is amazing you guys these people should be charging me for having these consultations but they don't so there's another trick you guys if you want to have quality conversations bring something to the table for them and then you exchange knowledge. So there you go. That's another secret. <laughs> well, today's episode, we're gonna focus on marketing. Um, we've seen marketing change literally every single day, especially with the technology nowadays. So today's guest, I would call, I would say he is an expert on marketing, which he is with twenty twenty five years of experience. Howard Wolfpuff is a marketing strategist and um, he has helped hundreds of businesses create profitable solutions to drive sales, attract and maintain customers, and build social corporate brands. He has helped launch three successful businesses, you guys. Chelsea Pierce Sport and Entertainment, the Brooklyn Cyclone Minor League Baseball Team, and GridironNow.com. The premier site for SEC Football and serves as an executive at two advertising and marketing um, agencies. You can find a lot more information about Howard at findnewrevenues.com. Again, that is findnewrevenues.com. I'm super excited about this one as I actually got to learn a lot more about marketing myself. That is one area that I'm very passionate about when it comes to marketing and sales, as you know. Guys, I'm a sales consultant, and that is one area that I want to focus on. So it's really interesting to actually see somebody um, changing their strategies from 25 years ago to today and how some mar- uh, companies actually, unfortunately, are losing revenue because they're not up to date. They're still using old techniques to uh, bring in the table new revenues, which, unfortunately, you have to adopt to the um, to the technology. You have to adopt the customer so with Howard, we're going to break down every single detail for you guys. I hope you guys enjoy it and definitely take a moment. And if you have to re-listen to this episode, absolutely do so because he does talk about some really great points, you guys. If you do need to reach out to him, go ahead and do so at findyourrevenues.com. Tell them Romina Amina you. And as always, you can find RM Podcast FL on iTunes, Spotify, Stitchers Radio, YouTube, Podbean iHeartRadio, and www.rmpodcastfl.com. I mean, you, you little guys have you have eight different platforms, so choose your favorite. And don't forget, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your coworkers, tell everybody that you know about my podcast. Thank you, guys. Let's jump right into the interview. Welcome back to our Podcast
1: FL, guys, and thank you for investing your time to this episode. Like I did mention on the intro, today's guest is Howard Wolpoff. How are you doing today, sir? I'm
2: doing well today.
1: Awesome. How are you? Good. I said your last name right, correct? I did. Okay, cool. Because my accent always comes out and I pronounce stuff weird sometimes. It's
2: perfect.
1: (laughs) But so I'm very interested and really excited about this interview. I know you're into marketing and to sales. So that's an area that I'm passionate about too. So I feel like we're going to cover some great points. Okay. Uh, First and foremost, I'll pass the mic to you if you want to introduce yourself and tell us your life journey, young you to today.
2: Okay. Uh, my name is Howard Walpuff. I'm a marketing strategist and business coach. Uh, let's see, I grew up in the Bronx in New York. I lived in New York most of my entire life until moving here to Jacksonville in 2007. I uh, had some really great experiences business-wise in New York where I uh, was part of two business launches there. One was called uh, the Chelsea Pierce Sports Entertainment Complex. Okay. Uh, I was involved with um, creating sports venues indoor in a historic uh, pier off the uh, the West Side Highway on the, the Hudson River. It was the destination for both the Titanic and the Lusitania, and it got into disrepair, and there was a need to replace uh, two, indoor, two uh, uh, indoor ice rinks, and from that became designed for outdoor roller rinks, indoor ice rinks, gymnastics, a uh, sp- big uh, uh, gym, state art uh, sports facility, a golf driving range, mm-hmm. um, so it became this incredible experience setting those businesses up. Uh, I also was part of the launch of the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, which was a minor league baseball team that's owned by the New York Mets Okay. Um, the, back in 2001, just won their second championship this year. Thankfully, I was there for their first. <laughs> um, in Jacksonville, I've uh, been involved with a number of different uh, exciting businesses. I came here with Westwood One Radio. Okay. I was doing uh, sales and marketing uh, nationally. Out of their New York office and we wanted to create a life here in Jacksonville so they, they moved me to help rebuild the Florida markets and uh, we would do the uh, the 10-second live red sponsorship by the traffic reporters embedded into uh, radio programming uh, this report brought to you by Geico and then uh, a, a 10-second uh, messaging some radio stations uh, some companies did 15 seconds actually merged with that Company uh, towards the end, I was there, mm-hmm. and then I uh, moved on to Ten Ten SL Sports Radio, where I was the director of sales and marketing, uh, rebuilding the client base, uh, focusing on advertising to men, and helped the station get the um, the relationship to be the flagship station for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I've then really had some experiences with uh, digital, where we launched a uh, college football website called gridironow.com and uh, that focused on SEC football and then ran two different uh, ad agencies, one in Houston, Texas, I traveled back and forth, uh, digital marketing agency there, and then here locally in Jacksonville uh, where I was the vice president client services of an agency and then just launched out of my own this summer.
1: Nice, that's awesome. So let me guess, you're passionate when it comes about sports? Yes, I am. Okay, I can tell, (laughs) because somehow your career is related to sports. Lots of sports
2: involved in my career.
1: Football, your favorite sport?
2: Baseball's my favorite sport. Baseball. I grew up a baseball fan in the Bronx uh, with the New York Yankees. I was a Yankee season ticket holder for many years before moving to Jacksonville.
1: Nice. Uh,
2: World Series games, perfect games, opening day. I really had some great experience. And then working in baseball was my dream come true for four years, working on the field with uh, some of the heroes from the New York Mets and old Brooklyn Dodgers. And I just had one experience after the other.
1: So, I'm a Albanian originally, and the first time I got introduced to uh, baseball was um, my professor back home. We had an American professor, and he was trying to teach us American culture. Okay. So, he was trying to teach us like, the rules, and how you play, and like, we'd have the bed, and we'd like, play, and we thought we were awesome just for like, hitting the ball. So like, that was the first time, and then when I moved to America, I saw like, how much bigger it is, and how, you know, because it is a whole, t- it's two different worlds. Uh, back home, we just have only soccer, pretty much. Sure. So, it's it's very interesting. So, from, so how did you even get into marketing, though? Like, were you always passionate about marketing, or were you always passionate about connecting with thousands of people?
2: I was, but didn't realize it. Okay. I was a political science major in college. Okay. But started to get involved in different activities on campus. I started creating different... Uh, events some of them with my fraternity at the time and, mm-hmm. and uh, different charity events okay and would always be part of publicizing them creating the posters trying to get uh, attention to newspaper articles before and after and uh, my senior year I decided that I really needed to change my major to communications and that was the major at the time and I said, yeah, well, I, I'm so close, let me just graduate, I'll have a degree, I can do whatever I want after I graduate, which really was not the case. <laughs> so I struggled early on trying to find the right opportunity in New York. You would go to these different agencies to try to find a job and find, look at ads in the New York Times, and all they wanted was your typing skills and how much fast you can type to be an admin uh, role to get started, and uh, eventually I got a job as a paralegal. More in line with my degree, yeah. and then did a lot of volunteer work in sports and events to get a, a, the entry level job with uh, with Chelsea Pierce as they were starting up. But I did volunteer work with the National Hockey League, uh, with the NBA, and uh, the World Cup had the opening ceremonies in the, at Giant Stadium at that point in '94 when you're here in the United States. Okay, so it, working with a lot of different sports events. Got me the opportunity to get a job at the really as an admin for the marketing department for uh, for this big complex that was being built.
1: So how would you say the marketing has changed uh, since you very first start in the marketing world for um, for the sports to today? Because I mean we're talking about what like to, you said, nineteen ninety four. My, my
2: graduated college in nineteen ninety one. Okay. So it's it's been a while. It's been uh, a
1: minute.
2: The uh, I was. Part of creating two first websites. So when we started Chelsea Piers Mm -hmm. and the first venue opened up in the fall of 1995, really was at that beginning of the public's use of the World Wide Web and companies just starting to get websites. So during the course of of 90, yeah, during the course of 95, we, we built that first website for Chelsea Piers and I helped with the first website for the Brooklyn Cyclones in 2001. Even then, it was a different world. So just how people use websites has definitely evolved and changed, and how people obviously use digital marketing, which didn't exist. And even go back 15 years ago, it didn't exist anywhere near what it does now. Um, that's really the... Uh, people, people's attention spans are different, mm-hmm. and how people focus on on uh, absorbing information is different. Everyone's uh, looking at everything on their phone. Um, having worked for a company that used to sell uh, and, and market yellow page advertising in the past, that was my digital marketing agency, had was, came from a yellow page b- uh, book uh, company. It's, mm-hmm. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. So, and That was the only way people advertised for decades.
1: But now people don't even, like. I don't even know if yellow pages Latin,
2: was- This past year, the, the, books did come out in Jacksonville, I know they shut down, the, the one company shut down their office last year in Jacksonville, so I don't believe a new book will come out here again. Mm-hmm. But there are companies that still think that's the only way to advertise because they, they really have been living uh, with, with blinders on, unfortunately for them. Well would um, you
1: say though it's because of the age group too, like let's say if the company was built in the 1990s or in early 2000s where you use the yellow pages. Uh, that's how people got used to advertising and then this generation gets a little bit older and that's the only way how they're gonna do advertising because they're not gonna be as tax savvy or anything is there maybe because the, they're trying to target the specific audience that they use a the yellow pages still
2: older owners definitely are set more in their ways of how to advertise even though they might be um, looking at their phones themselves yeah they see that they've received success over the years they're afraid to move away from something, as opposed to knowing that's not working as well as as it had. It's just that fear of, well, if I get rid of this, then no one's gonna come. Um, That's why the Yellow Pages lasted over the course of the last five years trickling down. But in general, you always have to figure out who your target audience is. And my statement always is, you have to communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with. And that's how marketing works.
1: So how about the digital marketing? before, like 10, 15 years ago, to be a digital marketer was not even a position. Nowadays, uh, we have people that work as digital marketers like from their home or from anywhere they are. Like, um, how, uh, how, how have you seen this growth? Like how important it is for a company to have their digital marketing?
2: Oh, it's, it's tremendous. The, the evolution of websites then came the evolution of how to get people to notice your website. So SEO mm-hmm. develops in a strong way in, in creating people, or people were found this as a, as a niche and then learn more and more to become experts and, and then go into business or be hired by companies to be that SEO expert. Um, there's a real role in making sure that everything is, is, is fine-tuned within a, the back end of a website to make mm-hmm. sure people find you in search. Website design in general has changed, has gone from nothing to really Intensive and expensive, and to bringing things pricing down and simplicity down. Now, most websites are just a scrolling page uh, as opposed to 20, 30, 40 pages. Yeah, and you can do them yourself. Some, if you're if you do it the right way, you can do it in simplest terms. If you do it on Wix, there are ways that so you can do that so people don't realize it's a Wix site. Yeah, and people can easily get a, a template on. Uh, on WordPress and do it themselves. It's I very use very, Wix, very so yeah. simple websites on WordPress. Or you can still pay people, but it, the prices are nowhere near what they were, but you still need that quality, and and you have to find the right website to get your message out. And I think that's one of the biggest things right now. Most people still, or most companies still, are creating digital brochures, and which is necessary, but it's not really capturing their prospects the way they need to to uh, communicate with these prospects
0: so you didn't
1: mention like for example before used to be a lot of pages and now it's just kind of like all in one page kind of short and simple and less information would you say because people are losing their patience nowadays because I mean you literally have a phone in your hand it's a computer in your hand you can do everything is that why they're trying to make it shorter and to the point, kind of like bullet points instead of giving a whole background story? Uh,
2: similar to the bullet point concept, but just flowing the way the phone flows. So if you have your about page and different uh, specifics on the, the, um, the work that you do, the, on the, the desktop you have links that you click to it, so one click here, one click there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it flows differently on the phone. You just want people scrolling and soaking in all that information so based on how the website is built it can give you multiple page views Mm -hmm. in the process if you're looking at on the the Google Analytics side Um, I know I would at Gridiron now when we switched to a site that would scroll more it was very important to us that once you scroll from one story to the next it did another page count because we were all about page counts on how advertisers look at us, and actually how we pay the writers on, on people who go into their stories. But it's, it's important that these websites evolve with how people, again, are absorbing them. Correct. But also, you want to make sure that you're providing the, your, your best foot forward every time that your company is uh, your company's being looked at online.
1: But what is the biggest mistake that you'd say companies make when it comes to today's advertising and marketing for their own product or services?
2: they don't understand that nine times out of 10, people aren't shopping right now for what you're selling. They're researching. Mm -hmm. They're investing their time to figure out what is the best answers. There are times when that's different. If you are at home and a pipe bursts in your sink, you're looking to find a plumber right now. But those urgencies, if you're trying to find daycare for your child or um, a, a doctor, or um, a, a roofer to, to, to uh, fix uh, the roof in your house is mm-hmm. coming up in 20 years. You're not calling them right then and there. You're doing research, one to, uh, trying to figure out who seems the best and most websites are not providing the right information to people to make sure that they stay on their radar when it actually comes time for that uh, decision and you, you're not a prospect. And that uh, on on just because you clicked on someone's website, mm-hmm. you're not a prospect to them. You're just a click. They need to figure out better ways, and there are better ways to do that to make sure that click is a prospect that there's a conversation going on on a regular basis. So when that decision is time to pick the doctor, make the uh, f- fix the, fix the roof, that they're in the ball game in the in the decision making as opposed to yeah maybe I clicked on s- that site, but I I didn't like the way something yeah. looked, and that was the end of it
1: is it so how do you get those uh, like technically those clicks generate them and get them to the door is it by the subscription like the pop-ups that come up on the website to subscribe or how do you collect that information you
2: can't just have a a listing to subscribe because you it's a dime a dozen these websites that have free consultation if you type in your name yeah no one cares about the free consultation they expect it they're gonna walk in they're gonna expect a free consultation you need to provide them with value to put their name in, in your in your uh, information box. So uh, a, a roofer, uh, top five reasons why this shingle is the most important way to uh, to protect your roof or cleaning uh, tips to make sure that uh, your roof is lasting longer. There's value to that. So they'll get that information from giving their name and address. And now you have an email address and so now you can create your campaign and continually uh, share information with them you gotta find the right pace that uh, so you're not harassing them on a regular basis to come off your list but now you have a communication line going with them as opposed to they just clicked on your website and moved on to the next one
1: so how, what did you advise because you've been uh, you've been a part of businesses launching what did you advise let's say I'm building um, X business and I'm trying to get the marketing out. What would be the best techniques with today's digital world and today's e-commerce? Like what would be the best way I can market my product?
2: It starts with the website and you have to look at the website as people used to look in newspapers. You have to have a headline. Okay. You have to have something that speaks to the audience. Again, communicating with people the way they want to be communicated with. Uh, you have to have some presence on social media and be creative with it and with that is You don't have to have Twitter um, because not everyone is really following Twitter. I think Facebook is important as a presence because people are going to look to see if you have it or not. Mm -hmm. People may go to your Facebook. I love when I go to a company's Facebook page. They set it up in December of 2015. They put up five pictures. They've come back twice, and there's nothing on that page whatsoever. You have to have some consistency, although knowing that People may not be seeing it on a regular basis, but it's there when they when they look for it because there's the algorithms that only only seven percent of who's li- it likes your page is going to see your postings on a regular basis. So it's it's unless you create different ways to, to get creative and communicate with them, then that then there's not going to have that interactivity. Video is really the way to go, mm-hmm. um, and you have to be creative with it. You have to have the right personality for it as well. Um, Having something, whether it's a, a virtual, a visual slideshow that's, that's put on, so you're not. Some people just can't express themselves in the, in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Some people are very perfect for video and, and communicating their personalities. My favorites is as a dentist, I believe it was in Texas, that, um, and there's a lot of people that do this, they got their patients to participate in this campaign. So they would pick once a week, they'd mm-hmm. pick a song and they lip sync. And so the patient will be sitting in the chair and you have the dentist with the, with the tools in the mouth and you have a nurse and and, uh, and and you have assistants there and then all of a sudden the song will go on and they'll just burst into some sort of performance. And they'll take it and they'll put it on their website, they'll put it onto YouTube, they'll put it onto their Facebook page and people will like and share it and they got a lot of traction. From that they got more patients.
1: yeah, And
2: they had happy patients who were really enjoying the experience of being with, uh, with, with that, uh, that dentist. So finding creative ways to use video within a marketing campaign is, is very important and then really it's, it's nurturing relationships so that that information can go viral.
1: So definitely thinking outside of the box too, like I haven't heard the example with the dentist. I know this one dentist got very famous when they're doing the whole Kiki challenge. Um, he just started dancing around and he got a lot of traffic on his clinic just because of doing a dance.
2: You have uh, a, a dermatologist who was realized the strength of YouTube, and got people to sign waivers, and would videotape the uh, the pimple popping, and the and the removal of cysts and all on all the.
1: was uh, it Dr. Pimple? The
2: Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes. From behold, from her, just being whether it was her idea or uh-huh. she hired someone who, who suggested it, she got a show on uh, on, on cable TV from again extending the, the relationship with the clients and, but everything was, it was be focused on YouTube and, uh, and obviously that created revenues for her by bringing in new patients mm-hmm. by because she had so much of a large viewership she was able to sell advertising on, uh, on YouTube was making dollars uh, or cents for every click that people watched it and obviously a nice contract on a, uh, on a, on a TV network
1: that's awesome i i've i've heard of her i know, i've seen like one or two of her videos my friend loves her she'd be like if you have any issues i got you dr pimple like i've seen her videos mm-hmm. <laughs> um whenever it comes to social media posting though would you say um it would be the best idea to like put a calendar to place like for example um national holidays like you post a picture like this picture ahead of time or like tuesdays you post this fridays you post this it's
2: imperative. You're going to have a campaign that, that people are going to care about. Mm-hmm. You need to have that consistency. So with Facebook, you're not really posting a lot over the course of a day. Yeah. But if you have a visual company, um, Facebook's important too. There's a calendar of, of um, like today is, is the, uh, the, the anniversary of the day they signed the Constitution. Okay. Um, I think something about pepperoni pizza I saw a couple days ago. And then there's all these different days, National Ice Cream Day. And taking advantage of those creates makes it easier to create social media posts, but also looking at other sites like Instagram. If you're a bakery, you want to be taking pictures of your cakes on an hourly basis and putting them up and, and having fun with it as well so that something visual can get, uh, get shared and, and, and your, uh, your exposure can, uh, can grow from that.
1: So um, we did focus on marketing. Something that I want to focus a little bit more is converting all this marketing, converting all this leads to actual sales, which is very important for the business because yes. that's why they're doing all this job. So you've, uh, we talked a little bit earlier. You were familiar with CRMs, of course, um, and you did show me a CRM that you used to work with. Um, what, would, what would you say It's the pros and the cons of having a CRM customized just to your business alone?
2: Let's take a step back, the key is being organized. Okay. You have to be organized, you have to have a rhythm of how you're connecting with people. Um, You have to have an understanding that people aren't gonna respond just because you picked up the phone. And also have an understanding that just because you picked up the phone and they didn't respond, that doesn't mean no. It's no when someone tells you no. So where years ago, people would call two, three times, and no, I didn't hear from them, and then let it go. You need to reach out to people five to twelve times, depending on who they are. It's a lot of touches, um, because and if you if you get them the right way again, communicating people they want to be the way they want to be communicated with, mm-hmm. and reach them, you can reach them on the tenth time. They're ready to make that to have that conversation with you. They may have been had so many different things going on that they need to get through, and you call them in in August where they're ready. Where the first conversation attempt was in February, and they wouldn't have been ready. But if you didn't call that many times, you never would have made that phone call in August. So it's, it's, it's having that and finding the right way to track it and getting back to the CRM. Um, my, my CRM story, as I shared before with you, is, is strange, uh, based on the kind of companies that I worked for and where their priorities were. My um, league baseball team, it was with the Excel spreadsheet, um, with Westwood One Radio in their metro traffic division they were developing their own CRM, so they had us okay, just track it by yourselves mm-hmm. and, and, the, and deal with your managers, and then it's going to be ready. We're going to test it, and then they started testing it, and it was almost ready. And then they sold the company, and that was the end of the CRM. So it was it was a, a lost five years and seven years with the, with the business. Um, I recently used one uh, called uh, Pipe Drive, which I was very happy with because it really was visual, and you mm-hmm. can. You can click and slide the the prospect category to category as they're moving along, while you're going in and tracking the, uh, the the individual attempts to reach them or conversations with them, and then setting up a new date so it shows up on your calendar. And here's your alert list for Tuesday of who you need to call, mm-hmm. and uh, and so on and so forth. So you're 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 you are tracking the the pace that you need to with them. You're separating it out as uh, as you you should, but also go back and look at every type of uh not only just you but the manager can look back to see how you're communicating and then this also generates the reports to show what's in pending and how fast things are moving out of pending and what's just sitting there in pending, and hopefully the closing numbers so that you're uh, you're, you're generating sales and uh and uh med- measuring the pace that the individual salesperson mm-hmm. and the company needs to be at
1: so um CRM is very important for sales, like we said. Um, I've used used Salesforce so far. I haven't used uh, Pipeline. Um, And I would say from what my experience, Salesforce, um, it's a great system. But I feel like there's um, other systems out there that can do much better. Like another CRM that I use when I work car sales. It just kind of tracked everything much better. But one thing that I've seen, especially corporate, working corporate life, um, is that... The company invests so much money on marketing, millions, and the company invests on recruiting, on hiring these people, and invests on employees. But whenever it comes to like the stats that they get from Salesforce, um, they would be like, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, I, I, don't, And you can correct me, what I'm trying to go to is that, well, how do you handle that t- uh, training salespeople and the right way to communicate with people and close that deal? Because that's very important, but sure. a lot of times gets skipped a lot.
2: Uh, I, I think it gets rushed. I think that people are—you have a, an opening and you have a timeline for because the budgets, the, the clock, and the budget starts on January one. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with 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 twelve month calendar, correct budget uh, schedule. So the time that you do not have someone in that sales position is time that you're not hitting that numbers, but at the very least, that budget line for that individual. Um, so a lot of times you'll bring in salespeople, you'll interview them, they they talk about the experience they've had. You'll check their references, and they'll go in, and they but they don't understand fully your systems. Um, with uh, with Metro Traffic, what ended up happening was that um, uh, Clear Channel, at the time, bought Metro Traffic from Westwood One and merged it with Total Traffic. And after th- most of the year, they decided to let go of most of the Metro Traffic staff and keep the Total Traffic staff, depending on what kind of market, and they blended different staffs together. Mm-hmm six months later three to six months later uh, many people from metro traffic started getting phone calls from the management because they the, the toll traffic staff people didn't know how to use the metro traffic system and sales weren't happening and there were all these challenges they wanted to bring back the people that knew the system but unfortunately they burned the bridges with all these people yeah. so it caused a problem Like with that budget year specifically and then it took them a couple of years to really ramp up from that it again it, it the way you communicate with, with, with prospects the way they wanna be communicated with, you have to do the same thing with your salespeople. You have to get to know them and create the relationship and spend the right time with them so that they are absorbing the information and continually hold their hand. Um, sometimes it's really tight and sometimes it's softer and sometimes it's a handshake here and there, but you, you wanna keep a pulse on them Not just in the reporting that you have on a regular basis, because you can see the reports every day, Mm -hmm. but going on calls with them, sitting in a room and and listening to the the phone calls that they're having, so that the message of the company is, is loud and clear throughout the process. They're an agent of the company at that point. They have the opportunity to sign a contract just like the general manager does, and you have to know as a company that you have the right communicator manning that type of power
1: yeah I mean they are the face of the company at that point like you have to that to be,
2: individual uh, prospect slash potential client
1: correct um, would you recommend to maybe have a team of sell, 10 sales people they are okay at their job or would you say I want to cut this in half have five people five sales agents and like be amazing and on point
2: a lot of it depends on what you're doing I'm there's a gentleman whose name's escaping me He wrote a book called Ice to the Selling Ice to the Eskimos mm-hmm. He's an executive in sports and his belief was you hire as many salespeople as possible. again you're doing it at a very very small base at that if at all on a lots on a commission mm-hmm. and they're, they're gonna they're going to show their worth within the within their uh, abilities but you're really have getting a uh, a, a larger net out there to bring in more prospects into into clients um, sometimes you really need just you need the top-notch people and it's yeah a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of a five that they're out there um, depending on how many calls they have to make to really reach the audience you're looking for it, it depends company by company what's the best strategy
1: I see. yeah cuz sometimes I feel like you might have like a lot of salespeople but you're burning leads when somebody else if you train them correctly that can turn those leads into sales and it takes just that one hour two hour additional training to get that person to the next level
2: it's always going to be a problem because there are people who may not be ready in 2017 to receive the phone call but in 2019 they are um i'm my always concern was as staffs turned over i wanted as much information as possible i wanted to make sure i would look back so if i decided to make a phone call to this uh to this company, I want a better understanding of what happened two years ago when someone tried calling on them. Was it a no? Was it a was it just I'm not I'm too busy? Mm-hmm. Was it they never actually spoke to them and just crossed them off the list? It's valuable to know so you don't walk into different pitfalls in a conversation, or it shows that you've done your homework and they're they're more impressed when uh, when you're speaking to them.
1: Is there um, a certain book or certain training materials that you guys focus to whenever it comes to sales? Well, right
2: now I'm uh, I'm my own uh, I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been I've had different types of training over the course of time. Uh, read different sales books than Kennedys and and, and those type of marketing mm-hmm. uh, books in, in the process. Uh, but nothing I would say this is a sales manual that, uh, that I've come across. There are people who will say differently than that.
1: So you just definitely try to pick up the best material from every book and just kind of make your
2: own. It's, uh, I, I've definitely collected a lot over the course of time from, uh-huh. uh, from different people and different sources. Um, but it's again, you're going to learn things from your, your staff and your new employees as well. I, I think the, there's a value in the word team uh-huh. and the best teams do work together and you'll learn different Sales aspects from from one and they can trade off to each other. The, the worst is a, is a sales manager who doesn't listen, who's on the boss, on the other. And I've worked for people like that, unfortunately, too many times. I had one in particular in this market
1: mm-hmm.
2: who would, uh, he would only, he's the only one that can have an idea of how to sell something to a client. Only one. And if you brought something up, he's pretty much have a temper tantrum in a sales meeting. No, that's terrible. It never would work. I, no, just, just focus on mine. And then he'd come back and slink into your office a little bit later and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I really thought about, you know what, it's, it's really not a bad idea, maybe we can incorporate it. Because the, the guy was an egomaniac, it was just yeah. all about him, to the detriment of the clients, which is really what the goal is. The goal is not, not to satisfy the egos in the, in your, in the room uh, when you're meeting with the sales team, it's to satisfy the clients and their need and what their revenue goals are and how can we come up with concepts yeah. That
1: could, uh, that could help them get there. I've, uh, I've run into those kind of managers, especially when I work car sales.
2: Yeah, we all have.
1: Uh, well, car sales especially, that's why I, that was actually a big reason why I left car sales, because only 22 at the time, I, that's when I learned the true sales experience. Like I was selling anywhere between 15 to $80,000 products. That, mm-hmm. Those are huge numbers for me at 22 years old. Yep. But I did have managers like that, and unfortunately they don't help you get to the next level. And that's why I'm asking more to like training and everything because I feel like like, you can have a very good salesperson, but you're not pushing their buttons in the right direction. And
2: sometimes you're in a smaller, um, uh, if you're working for a small company and anyone that's growing and getting larger, unfortunately sometimes the sales manager sees them as a threat to them than a benefit to the company. I had that same experience with that sales manager who saw me as a threat to him? I see. And that was that. I think that affected the whole the, everything going I on know with him. Exactly. The, 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 uh, within the within the business. Even though my sales numbers were the I, I said sales records for the year per, per account. Um, you name it. I brought I brought in dollars I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and he saw that as a threat. And that's you have to watch out. Unfortunately, for sometimes it's best to find somewhere else to be though you, you may have found the best place for you.
1: But that's a hard step, though, to go from one place that you think you're giving your best and to challenge yourself to a whole other area.
2: It's unfortunate that it happens. It's, it's, it's part of business. It's, it's it, But it's also most, part
1: of life. Most people, don't
2: leave, uh, the, most people don't leave companies. They leave bosses.
1: That's true. That is very true. Is there a favorite book that you have when it comes to how to better lead people or how to manage people better?
2: I'm not a big reader in those management books. I am mm-hmm. i really enjoy some of these creative marketing books. Like One of my favorite books is VEC is in REC. Now, you, you give you me your, your What, base, what your, is it? VEC, V-E-E-C-K as in REC, W-R-E-C-K. Uh, it's by a guy named Bill VEC who was a famous baseball owner. So okay. he owned th- th- he was an owner three times he owned the same team twice and um, he would come up with a lot of the creative giveaways at the major and minor league ballparks are all because of him mm-hmm. and his ideas and the owners at that time hated the, the creativity that he was bringing to his team but he was selling tickets and was, was really turning over teams and, and, and that helped develop the dollars to develop champions in the end that eventually the old time owners got uh, got a hand Got a handle on. Same thing with, um, with uh, Ice to the Eskimos is uh is, uh, is his name and he was uh, an NBA, a, a basketball uh, executive mm-hmm. with a number of different teams. He took over the New Jersey Nets when nobody wanted to come watch the New Jersey Nets. So he, So he marketed, come see Michael Jordan, come see Clyde Drexler, come see all the different stars of the NBA here in your backyard. And by the way, they're playing the Nets. And he was selling out the, the arena. And granted, the sound may not have been his best for the, uh, the the basketball players because had a lot more cheering sometimes for the other team. Mm-hmm. But his job was to sell tickets, and he did, because he was creative in the way he did it. And there are a lot of different ways that, uh, like, Vec, it, it was more fun to him to give away... Um, Hundred pounds of popcorn to one person, then one pound of popcorn to a hundred each to a hundred people. Because then you're just sitting there eating your popcorn. Yeah. What does the one person do with a hundred pounds of popcorn sitting there in the ballpark? Does he keep it for himself? Does he share it with everyone else? That became a story within a story for him, and that that's something that you can then bring to the newspapers and make articles about, and get some publicity about.
1: See, I, I love stuff. I have well, first off, I haven't heard about that book, so I wrote it down. I'm definitely am gonna look into it and in reading it. But I love stuff like this and that's why I feel like I'm very like, passionate when it comes to marketing and sales because the brain bounces differently and you try to think out of the box and you're always like, well, what if you do this, you can get this instead of going through the straight line of the definition of marketing, for example, or the straight line of the definition of your boss. Thinking outside of the box is going to bring new leads in the table too. It's going to bring new customers in the, on the company too.
2: Coming up with creative ca- uh, campaigns and creative contests, uh, a, a good contest can get you a lot more publicity than just a, uh, a regular ad buy. And you just how creative you get with it and how, again, now we can do these great videos on, on uh, YouTube and Facebook and especially being able to do Facebook Live mm-hmm. and uh, LinkedIn. Now you can go live and Instagram. And, and, and there's so many different uh, mediums to do this. That if you have your audience, they can, they can, you can get their attention. Someone may not see an ad on, uh, on Facebook that you're running, but because they like the page, you'll get an alert when you go live. And, you'll, uh, and they, they may or may not click on right now, mm-hmm. or they can go back and click on it later, but you had their attention for at least three seconds where an ad may have just passed them by. It's just finding different ways to get in front of people
1: that spark that even the three seconds can make a big difference
2: exactly
1: and you didn't mention LinkedIn which is such a great tool um, such a, a lot of people not not even taking advantage but advantage of LinkedIn like for the podcast for example I've done most of the promotion comes from LinkedIn um, I created a customer base I created a follower banks and then all of them is Facebook and Instagram and was able to reach like 20 different countries uh, all like nothing paid for advertisement everything from LinkedIn Instagram Facebook but it's such a, it's such, like, there's so many great resources out there that people are not taking advantage of.
2: I've seen the whole evolution of LinkedIn. I, I just by luck, I was one of the first 50,000 people on LinkedIn. One of my friends got there first. He said, hey, why don't you and my brother join? And, mm-hmm. and his brother joined, and so we joined, and I, and I was ahead the curve because there were, there were people on LinkedIn. I was able to start getting leads from there where some of my peers had no idea how I was getting past the, uh, the, the the um the, the what's the term for it? the receptionists and, and uh and secretaries and the gatekeepers um i got past gatekeeper because i knew exactly the names straight to decision that, uh, makers to uh, to call on and then it's really over the last five years is anyone and everyone can do that but there's still different ways and they're they're sort of protecting uh uh like right now i was able to, to download my list without a problem i had everyone's email address now they're more protective of that mm-hmm. but um because you you can't just take. A, you can make a massive following on LinkedIn, but that doesn't mean they want you to be. They want to be on your email list. Correct. So you can't just take their email addresses. Do. So you have to be strategic about it. You can take. If you have people you're targeting, you can take their name. You can. They can. They can connect with you on LinkedIn. You can download individually their email addresses and create a list. You they can go to Facebook, and then you can create your own separate audience. And then you can do advertising specifically just to them, because this hundred people are going to get your ads because this is the audience that you uh, that, that you've selected.
1: I like that. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I like that. Uh, one thing, one other um, area that I'm exploring more would be with, with TikTok, short videos. Mm-hmm. It actually been bringing a lot of traffic at least to the website alone because I do use Google and my accent comes out. Analytics. Did I say that right? Perfect. Cool. So um, a lot of them do come from TikTok too, especially with the videos. Like there are so many platforms out there, just get the traffic in and just think outside of the box. But I do love LinkedIn, so I'm gonna definitely do some a little bit more research in that and try to get some leads from there. And again, everything that I'm focused on, it's on helping others see another perspective of uh, professional life and how to overcome those obstacles. So I hope everybody learned something to, at least from today's episode when it comes to marketing. When it comes to sales, um, it's changing every day. It's not the same, like the marketing strategies that we have today, it's not the same as a year ago.
2: Exactly, everything evolves, everything changes, and you just have to keep your eyes open because it will change very quickly and, uh, and either you can be at the, uh, the beginning end and uh, jump on it fast or at the tail end and you're getting involved. I remember when I bought this great Power Mac, right as they switched from the Power Macs to go to do something else. So uh, it, 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 you, you, gotta, you gotta make sure you know where the curbs are.
1: Awesome, well I definitely enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm too. really intrigued on the last question. The quest- last question is always what's your definition of success as everybody has their own little definition and I'm always intrigued. What is your personal definition of success?
2: I think mine would be, it's called self-satisfaction. There are many successes I've had in my career where I've just sat back and said, wow, that was that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Some of it could be I hit my budget. Some of it could be I got this job. A lot of it was when I was working in minor league baseball. Every different game there was something I pulled off this promotion. Um, these fans reacted because we created a video that we knew at 47 seconds in there was going to be a surprise and mm-hmm. you hear the sound of the, the crowd reacting to it. That's success. It's just you, you have all these little victories and uh you have to uh, really just appreciate the little victories in life
1: i like that little victories that do add up to the big picture Mm -hmm. i like that well i definitely want to thank you for your time and for joining me on this podcast and for you listeners out there if you do want to hear other great interviews like the one today do not forget we have new interviews every tuesday and every thursday we do have educational episodes i hope you guys have a great rest of the day bye now